Well, thank you so much for being with us today. My name is Corey Abney. I serve as a lead pastor here at Bell Shoals, and that's truly an honor to have you with us. Those of you who are in the room at our Brandon campus and those of you who are joining us online, we're excited to kick off a new teaching series today called Bold Moves. And, you know, we've been for 60 years now a church family that has embraced bold moves and um, incredibly excited about where we've been and certainly excited about where we're going. And, you know, when I think about bold moves, I actually think about a guy that I, I read about years ago out in California who in 1982 had an idea for a bold move. His name is Larry Walters. And, and, and Larry kind of got uh, an idea where he was, he was just gonna get a bigger picture of his neighborhood and community. And I mean that literally. So he went to his local Army Navy surplus store, bought some used weather balloons, took them to his house and attached them to a lawn chair. And he, he had that chair tethered to the ground and he, he, he took some sandwiches, some drinks, I'll let you guess what those drinks were. He took a BB gun and his plan was to float above his neighborhood, glide around a little bit, get a glimpse of his community, and then one by one shoot those balloons to where eventually he would softly land with a little bigger picture and perspective on life. I actually brought a picture with me today of, of Mr. Walters before the famous launch. There he is. Larry Walters, AKA genius. Because <laughs> here's what happened. He got all ready to go, had a buddy there, take a picture. And then when they, when, when they <laughs> untethered his chair, he did not like calmly glide up like he thought. He shot off the ground like a cannon. And I'm not making this up. He went to 16,000 feet which is over three miles in the air. He went so fast into the air that he, he wavered with his BB gun. He was afraid to start shooting balloons, thinking that it would tip him over. And then he, at one point he actually dropped it and it fell to the ground. And so he was floating three miles in the air aimlessly into airspace at LAX where a plane coming in to land spotted him and the captain reported into the tower, we have an unidentified flying object. I am not making this up. So police got involved. Eventually he came back down because of course he hit some power lines, got tangled up, was dangling five feet from the ground where he was promptly arrested <laughs> and charged with disturbing air traffic at a major international airport and fined about $5,000. When a local reporter asked Larry Walters, why did you do this? In all of his genius, he said, and I quote, a man can't just sit around. <laughs> That's why he did it. He said, a man can't just sit around. And, and uh, I'm not gonna propose that kind of a bold move today, but I, I certainly understand the sentiment that, you know, one can't just sit around. It, it's hard to believe, but we've, we've hit this week 
the year point from when we had to stop in-person worship gatherings. Can you believe that? It's been a year. This time last year, I didn't know it and you didn't know it, but it would be the last time I would stand on stage for three months with people in the room. This past year, maybe you're like me, it kind of feels like we've done a little too much sitting around. <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of feels like, you know what? Life's been different, not in a great way, perhaps. You know, like it's, it's kind of like, yeah, we're, I think a lot of us got kind of, kind of tired just sitting around. You know, we're ready to, to get back to normal and we are certainly moving in that direction. But it's been a, it's been a difficult time, a frustrating time in, in certain respects, it's certainly a different kind of time. And it actually reminds me of a, of a really a, a time in history when God worked in an incredibly powerful way to grow his church. Because you know what we've seen? I, I actually said this a year ago. I think it's a helpful reminder. We, we, we know and we treasure this promise in our hearts that no earthly circumstance will ever prevent God from building his church. And we believe that. Uh, I showed you a year ago now, Matthew 16, 18. Remember what Jesus said to Peter, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and here's the key and the powers of hell will not conquer it. We believe that. God is building his church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And actually, when you go back in history, you find that God has done some of his most amazing work in the most difficult of human circumstances. In the times maybe where we feel like we're doing a little too much sitting around. No, God's still working. In the times where we face the most fierce opposition and the times when the cultural trends and norms are drifting away from anything that's God honoring or favoring to the movement of Christianity. We've, we still see God working in a powerful way. In fact, the church was born out of circumstances that can only be described as adverse. If you go back to when the church really began to grow and spread, you go back to a time when a guy named Stephen was put to death or martyred for his faith. It's an incredible thing. You, you have God working at this point only in Jerusalem. Of course, he's always working around the world. But I mean, in terms of the church, the church was localized in one city, one place, Jerusalem. And one of the key leaders in the church of Jerusalem was Stephen. And, and Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was testifying to the grace of God. And, and then because of his faith, he was literally put to death. And the guy who presided over his death is a guy named Saul. And Saul used Stephen's death as an opportunity to introduce the most severe persecution that the church had seen at that time. Let me show you what happens here in Acts 8. This is incredible because it's, it's out of these circumstances. Actually, we're going to see God works in a powerful way. Now, Saul was one of the witnesses there with Stephen and he agreed completely with Stephen's killing. And then after that, check this out, a great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church there in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were there, who were scattered, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. 
Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and he told the people there about the Messiah and crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did and many evil spirits were cast out screaming as they left their victims and many who had been paralyzed or lame were miraculously and powerfully healed. And then check this out. I love this description. It's one of my favorite verses in the New Testament talking about the the church, the ministry of the church. And there was great joy in that city. And it's a reminder to us, check this out, that God works through ordinary people filled with extraordinary power to bring joy to all places. In our climate, coming through a pandemic, in a, in a shifting political climate that is certainly moving away from what we know to be godly and what we know to be good, in, in a society with shifting norms and in, 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 in a place where potentially there could be more widespread persecution, check this out. God is going to work to build his church. Now, how's he gonna do it? I'll tell you how he's gonna do it. Don't miss this, one more time. He's gonna use ordinary people filled with extraordinary power to bring joy to all places. This is how the church began to expand. God using ordinary people filled with extraordinary power bringing joy to all places. Let me, let, me, let me break it down here. First of all, let's look here again at Acts 8 and see how God uses just ordinary people. Because if I were writing the story of the church, like, you know, if I were the one responsible for, for expanding the church back in the first century, which is a good thing I wasn't, but if I were, this is not how I would have done it. <laughs> I mean, when you're starting out here, you're, you're seeing like, okay, Stephen, his death triggered widespread persecution in Jerusalem. This guy named Saul is literally going out from house to house. Stephen's death being such a key leader in the church of Jerusalem, it propelled the opponents of the church towards such a widespread persecution that they're literally going from house to house, dragging people, men and women into prison. And, and, and so what you have now, check out this description. Okay. If we're just reading this without knowing the, the rest of the story, this looks really bleak. The apostles, the specialists, The key leaders stay in Jerusalem and everyone else is scattering into the regions of Judea and Samaria. This is not how I would have grown the church. You're telling me the most trained, educated, experienced specialists are gonna stay in Jerusalem and everybody else is gonna spread to the outer regions and that's the growth strategy? Yes, why? Because God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And you have a man named Philip and you have many, many others going into places like Samaria. And, and when they go, they go with the message of the gospel and they begin telling people that Jesus is the Messiah. They begin talking to people about how Jesus has changed their lives. They begin performing signs and wonders and God begins to work and to move how? Through average, ordinary people. And this represents the shift that Jesus said would happen. When, remember when he talked to his disciples about the fact that, no, I must leave, I must go to my father and I'm gonna send one to you and you will do greater things without me here than if I were to stay. 
And we think, no, how in the world could that happen? Jesus, how could the mission of the church advance further and faster without you here? And the answer is simple, because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead fills every single follower of Jesus. And when you take every single follower of Jesus and you spread them out around the world, you have the power of Jesus multiplying faster than if Jesus were just in one place at one time. And this is how God is working. Yeah, this is how he's working. Through average, ordinary people. People like Philip going to cities like Samaria and just testifying about what God has done through Jesus. Testimony and availability. You say, can God use me in my city? Can God use me in my neighborhood? Can God use me in my profession? Yes, all you need is availability and testimony. Check it out. You don't have to be a specialist. This is the shift in human history. God's no longer using the specialist like he used in the Old Testament era, like priests and prophets. He's now using average, ordinary people to make a gospel difference. How? through availability and testimony. Just sharing your story, sharing your testimony about what God has done for you and through you because of Jesus. And you see this played out now throughout history. It doesn't stop with Philip and Samaria. You know what? It, it, it multiplies to like a, a city called Antioch, which may not mean a lot to you, but Antioch became like the epicenter of missionary activity in the first century. It was at Antioch that believers were first called Christians. Isn't that cool? And you know who planted that church? You know who started that most strategic church? You know who founded that incredible church at Antioch? No, you don't know. <laughs> and you know why you don't know? Because nobody knows. We don't have the names of the people who started the church at Antioch. We have no idea who started that church. Here's what it says in Acts 11, not far removed from Philip's work in Samaria that we're looking at today. Check this out. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and check this out, Antioch of Syria, and they preached the word of God. They testified. They were available, they, they, they were open about their faith. They talked to people about the change that Jesus had made in their lives. But at that point, it was focused and concentrated primarily on the Jews. But then there were some other believers, check this out, who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene. That's all we know about them. As the church is scattered, it went to places like Cyprus and Cyrene. People are saved. People went from Cyprus and Cyrene to a place called Antioch. And they also began testifying to Jesus, about Jesus in in. in Antioch to the Gentiles and check this out. And the power of the Lord was with them and a large number of these Gentiles believed and they turned to the Lord. Revival broke out in Antioch. The church was established by whom? We don't know. Believers from Cyprus and Cyrene, that's all we know. And then eventually that became one of the most strategic churches in all of the world. One more time, who started it? Average, ordinary people, that's right. So can God use you? Yep. Will he use you? Yep. Availability and testimony. Just testifying to his grace, his goodness, testifying about the change he's brought to your life, your family. Listen, God works. Here's the encouragement that we have through ordinary people. But secondly, check this out. He works through ordinary people filled with extraordinary power. 
Now, here's the thing. The key to our faithfulness in testifying about Jesus is to rely not on our eloquence or anything with our own effectiveness, but to rely on the power of his message in our Messiah. That's where the power lies. I'm mindful of this guy named Saul who presided over Stephen's death, later radically brought to Jesus and saved. And then he became like the greatest missionary the world's ever known. And it was that same guy who later said through all of his education, all of his eloquence, you know, he, he was incredibly smart and well-trained. And he later said, writing to the church, he says, when I talk about God, I don't do it trying to impress anyone with my eloquence or my wisdom. He says, the power of my message is nothing related to me. It's all tied to the power of the good news of salvation, the gospel. And that's your hope and mine. <laughs> Here's what's so encouraging. You don't have to have a seminary degree to be an effective witness for Jesus. You don't, you don't, you don't have to have the answer to every single question. Nope, there are some of us who, who can provide that equipping you know what, you, 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 don't, you don't have to be the best speaker or communicator. You know what, God can use you and he will use you if you make yourself available and if you will be willing to share your story. Because listen, the power of our message is tied to our Messiah and what he has accomplished for us. Listen, this same Paul said this in Romans 1. He says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ because it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. What does the saving, what, what, what brings the power? It's the message of Jesus. There's been many times where I've felt like I, I haven't delivered adequately the message that I prepared that I thought through and yet still found God faithful to move. In fact, that's just about every week. <laughs> there, there are many times I've had conversations with people and then later like, oh man, did it always hit you later? Oh, I wish I would have said this. But, but here's the hope that we have. The power in our usefulness does not come from our eloquence or our wisdom. It comes, the power comes in the message of our Messiah and what he has done. The power is in the gospel. So I have the power. <laughs> Isn't there a song like that? I'm not gonna sing, I got the power. See, that wasn't in my notes. This is what I'm talking about, okay? That wasn't even, I didn't even do that in the first service. <laughs> you have the power within you. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You have the message of the gospel within you. And God will always honor our faithfulness to his word and to his son. And so if you'll make yourself available and you'd be willing to share your story, here's, 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 the, here's how God, this is right, proof right here. Here's how God grows his church, he works through ordinary people who are filled with extraordinary power. And then what happens? He brings joy to all places. Because, hey, listen, can I just boil it down to this? Check this out. Wherever you find Jesus at work, you will find joy. Wherever you find Jesus at work, you will find joy. 
And I, I tell you, I just can't get over this description. I know I told you it's one of my favorite verses. It is. I, I mean, I just love this description. It seems like, like just, I don't know, such a small little description. It seems like, oh, it's just kind of tagged on there. But to me, it's huge. It's, it's like, look at, look at what God's doing. He, first of all, he's doing it through these average ordinary people spread outside of Jerusalem. The specialists are in Jerusalem. It's people like Philip who, who are traveling outside now in places like Samaria and, and everywhere else. And, and God's working in a powerful way. And, but look at the end result. And so there's great joy in the city. I mean, how awesome is that? You, you have this revival breaking out, people's lives being changed. Yes, there's opposition. Yes, there's persecution. Yes, they're introducing new things to people they've never considered before. But, but through this, this, all these obstacles, God's changing people's lives. And what's the end result? There's joy in the city. And let me tell you something, if I could just summarize like my vision for Bell Shoals, okay? It's that here in Brandon and throughout all of West Central Florida to Tampa and then around the world that the ministry of Bell Shoals brings joy to our city. Oh man, I just, listen, my, 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 my longing, my, 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 is that man, you know, if something happened and Bell Shoals shut its doors tomorrow, there would be a great outcry in our city saying, no, we need them because they bring joy to our city. That's the power of the gospel. Wherever you find Jesus, you find joy. And that's, that's our legacy for 60 years now. We, we see God using average ordinary people to bring heavenly joy to our community. Since 1961, our mission here in Brandon and in Tampa and all across West Central Florida and beyond is, has been to introduce people to Jesus and the joy that, that he alone can bring. Hey, let me tell you something. Even in this past year, this challenging year, check it out. We've been working strategically to bring joy to our city. Listen, we've, we, we've provided for various needs with our medical frontline workers. We've encouraged them uniquely. We've stayed in touch with them and, and um, we've seen significant gospel inroads because of that. And, and we've been a blessing to, to many, many, many workers who have cared for our community this year. We've blessed several schools associated with each of our campuses and sought to be a blessing. Let me tell you something, moving toward Easter, Easter weekend's gonna be amazing. We're doing something incredibly special for hundreds of leaders in our community associated with our school system who've been through a difficult year. And, 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 and it's gonna be super, super exciting. Listen, we've cared for our fire and EMS workers. We've blessed and encouraged our sheriff's deputies and our law enforcement and those who've been through uh, their own unique sets of challenges. We've, we've supported them. We've been with them through it all. Over this past year, Bell Shoals has been on the front line of community and gospel engagement. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Grateful for your prayers, grateful for your support. Listen, I'm also thrilled to tell you that just since the first of this year, since January 1 of this year, we've seen 341 registered first-time guests at all of our campus, nearly 200 of them coming just right here at Brandon. We're seeing God work. We're seeing God move. We're seeing God build his church. And we're grateful for that. Listen, we, uh, yeah, we celebrate what God is doing. And today, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to tell you, I, I think there's more work to do. <laughs> there's, let me kind of say it this way. There's more joy to spread. Are you with me? There's more joy to spread. And a lot of it's gonna focus on what we're doing here at the Brandon campus. 
So here, here's the thing, if you're new to our faith family, about 10 years ago, Bell Shoals increased our reach with a multi-site strategy. We started a second location down on Apollo Beach and we've since opened up three other locations. We have five total campuses now in our community. One of those campuses actually meets here at our Brandon campus. It's our Espanol campus, which by the way, can I just tell you, has the largest number of people attending even in the pandemic than in the history of that campus right now. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. Pastor Jaime Lopez is leading that campus forward and I won't let him preach in this room because none of y'all would ever want me to come back, okay? He is fired up, man, and he's doing amazing work. And I mean, God's just blessing. Okay, so we've got five campuses and, 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 and in order for that to happen though, here's, here's what's true of multi-site, all right? It's like, it's like growing a family. You have to have a parent. You have to have one campus that is supporting the work, sustaining the work, sending families, sending dollars. And that campus over the past 10 years has been Brandon. We're the first campus, the largest campus, and God has used Brandon to multiply ministry here across our community. Because here's the simple leadership principle, right? Great initiatives require great investment. Great initiatives require great investment. And I wanna thank those of you who've been at the Brandon campus for a while because you've made an investment that God has multiplied and we're seeing, we're seeing his work in a, in a great way. And, and that investment is a privilege, but it's, it's an investment. <laughs> it takes me back almost 20 years now when the, my wife and I were living well below the poverty line as uh, seminary students. And, and um, we lived in what was known at the time as seminary housing. Today, they've actually transitioned that. It's actually um, low-income housing, little secret, it has always been low-income housing. <laughs> and, um, my wife and I were just, I mean, just been married. We were seminary, I was a seminary student and we, we were just like trying to make ends meet, literally living on love and loving it, you know? I know many of you have been there and I'm taking a bunch of courses, trying to get done as fast as I can. And we, I mean, literally, we're just kind of like, we're just operating on fumes at this point. And again, we love, we didn't know anything different. We loved it. And and I remember, you know, I was in my, going into my third year of my seminary program and uh, my wife told me, she's like, I, I think I'm pregnant. And I'm like, I think we're in trouble. <laughs> because for those of you who haven't had any children yet, let me, let me tell you something. Diapers are expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Listen, we actually considered, and I think, I think with our first, I think for a little bit, we actually used cloth diapers. We thought we're gonna, we don't have, really have the money for diapers. We priced it out. But, and we did that for about one day. <laughs> and then we thought, ah, we'll just make it work, right? And, and, and you know this, right? You know this. Like that was not, that was like having children was not a part of our financial growth strategy. No one says, you know what we need to do to strengthen our financial situation? Have babies, right? Because then we had three more and like now they keep getting more expensive and eating more and then there's stuff like college and then weddings and stuff, which is probably not even gonna let that happen. And um, <laughs> it's expensive and, and nobody says, all right, I know we didn't say this at the time. I was kind of freaking out to be honest with you. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how this is gonna work. And God was faithful and it worked. But I mean, listen, I mean, nobody says I'm gonna have more children as a money-making strategy. And when you go to multi-site ministry, here's what's happened. The Brandon campus 
has put the mission ahead of anything that we could have just done for ourselves here locally. We've said, you know what? We can multiply faster by, by starting other campuses and we have, but that, okay, but that initiative requires a great investment. It's expensive. It's, it takes sacrifice. It, you send people and dollars and energy and, and we've done that and God's blessed it and I'm grateful. But, but here's the thing, we're, we're coming into a season of growth right now here at Brandon, where I think we need to sure up some things right here at home. In order to have maximum effectiveness in the days to come and to accommodate the growth that we're experiencing, I think we need to reinvest some dollars and some energy right here. And really holistically, we're doing it in three ways. And certainly here at Brandon, we're doing it. First of all, I want you to know, we, we have a conservative financial management policy here. We, man, we've, we've cut a lot of costs, renegotiated different contracts. We've, we've, we've been under on spending. I mean, we've really worked hard to streamline what we're doing in terms of our operations and God has blessed it. We ended last year with a significant surplus that reflects both a shift in our strategy and growth in our faith family. Secondly, a kind of part of my platform moving forward is aggressive debt reduction. I believe with what we're doing, some things that we're currently working on to reduce the debt that we can be debt free in 10 years. That's my goal. That's my goal. We're excited about that. I think we can do it. All right, and then third, here at the Brandon campus, because we've been investing in these other campuses, we've been launching and continuing our missional fervency and all that, here's the thing, we need some strategic facility renovation here. And if you've been around the campus for a little while, you've, you've, you've seen that. We're just in need of some updating. We've actually been working on that and doing that with the surpluses that we've seen and the, and the recasting of vision and our management piece. And, and we also need some vision-driven improvements. And because again, of the cost cutting measures that we've had and the surpluses, we've already been working on a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily see day to day, but we're now at a place where we can begin some of these vision driven strategic improvements that will help us to encourage, bless and reach even more families. Let me, let me give you the four areas that are the most strategic in my view. First of all, our children's ministry building. And we're blessed with a lot of families, a lot of kids. And um, if you walk through our children's ministry building, um, you've seen we have a lot of square footage. We have a lot of space. We have a lot of opportunities. It could use a little bit of updating and some strategic things that would make it a more welcoming and honestly, uh, a more useful place for the ministry that we're carrying out in 2021. And so I'm super, super excited to bring some ideas and some vision of what we're doing in our children's ministry building. Secondly, our student ministry building. We call that the point around here. If you ever hear the point, that's our student ministry building. There, there are a lot of improvements that need to happen there to mobilize ministry. Third, our adult ministry building known as the annex. It could use a little loving touch. If you've ever been in the annex, I don't need to say anything else, all right? And then finally, our Welcome Center using some check-in features and some gathering spaces and some things that we can do to use that throughout the week. Listen, we, we've got incredible square footage. We just need some strategic updates to ensure that we're maximizing what we're doing because for the last 10 years, the majority of our focus has been outward. And now I believe in order to continue to grow here as well as at all of our other campuses, we need some strategic updating and some strategic visions. And actually, here's what's so cool. Some of these things are already underway. <laughs> Just this past week, we, we were able to start on a project on our sec the second floor of our children's ministry building and one of the large groups uh, spaces up there. And, and we're able to make that now into incredible worship and multi-purpose space for our kids ministry and for our 
Academy. Let me show you just a couple pictures to give you an idea because our creative team is leading the design. Our facilities team is leading in the renovation. We're saving significant dollars that way because God has given to us his grace and the amazing experts that we now have serving on our team. And so um, we'll completely change the front of the room when you walk in on the hallway and then you'll see here um, that space will be uh, incredible worship space, sound and lighting and um, staging. We can use it multi-purpose and it's just it's just amazing what's gonna happen. That's just one room, but we've got hallways and welcome centers and check-ins and we've got student ministry and then the adult uh, discipleship space. We've got a lot to do. And I believe with all of my heart, this is the time to start. Now I know what you're thinking. We're coming through a pandemic <laughs> and it's kind of crazy and I, I get it. I get it. But man, we're, we're seeing God work and move in a powerful way. We're seeing growth. We're, we're, we're seeing engagement. Man, we're, we're seeing, and here, again, here's my heart. We're, we're seeing joy brought to our city. And to maximize our effectiveness in the days to come, I think now is the time that we leverage what we have so that we can use it as strategically as possible. And I'm super excited about it. And so today, actually, we're rolling out what, uh, what I'm calling our, our Bold Moves Fund or Bold Moves Initiative. It's a new designated giving opportunity um, so that if any of you are led to jump on board and to help with this, you can. I, I want to be crystal clear here. This is not a hard sell. I'm not setting some major goal. We're not going to have a giving thermometer in the welcome hall, okay? I'm sensitive to the fact, like, hey, I know it's a tough time for a lot of families. I get it. I get it. I really do. But I also know Bell Shoals is a loving, gospel-centered, community-driven, generous people. And um, I just want to give you the opportunity to jump on board if the Lord leads you to do that. For the next several months, we'll have this fund available. If you want to give over and above what you would otherwise give, maybe if you're new to our faith family, like, hey, this is an on-ramp for me. I want to support this for my children, my grandchildren, my family. And we'd love to have you get on board because here's the thing. I'll be rolling out here in the next few weeks, just some some clarity on what we're doing from now to the end of the summer. By the time we come back in the fall, we're gonna see some strategic missions initiatives. And then you're gonna see here just on our branding campus, some incredibly encouraging changes that are designed to facilitate growth and bless the families who are connecting with us. And um, so I'm super, super excited about it. And so, um, you know, just ask you to pray and, and just seek the Lord. And if, you know, he urges you to, to give, if you feel led to give in any way toward that over the next, six or nine months, man, feel free. I mean, that's, we're making it available, but more than anything else, I just want you to know that God has strategically placed you and me and us in this place for this time, for this season. And, and God's using us and he's using you as average ordinary people filled with extraordinary power to bring joy to all places. And I'm, I'm praying that God will continue to use our faith family to bring joy to our city in the days and the years to come. Because wherever you find Jesus, you find joy. In fact, the maybe three most recognized stories that Jesus told, parables that he told, all center around something being lost. Remember he talked about this lost coin, talked about a lost sheep, talked about a lost son. What do all three of those stories have in common? When the coin and the sheep and the son were found, what happened? People rejoiced because wherever you find Jesus, you find joy. And I believe there's more work to do. 
There's more joy to give. And here's the thing. Whatever our circumstances, Bell Shoals is not a faith family that's just going to sit around. We're not just going to sit around. We're going to move forward. We're going to accelerate our efforts. We're going to show that we're willing to take bold moves on for the sake of our community. Because what people need more than anything else is a relationship with Jesus and the joy that he brings. Are you with me? That's, that's what we are all about.